www.roxie.com today for showtimes and tickets. Everybody should listen to Muni Radio at muniradio.fm. It's a great place to listen to crazy things.
July 1946, Paris. In the reception room of that palace on the right bank of the river, a hale and hearty journalist heckled for a quarter of an hour a thin man with deep marks of suffering and privation on his face, who had in front of him a small vase of pink roses. Round about were nearly 100 reporters and observers from all countries. Mr. President, you are a communist, aren't you? Yes, the man replied today. Have you been in the resistance? Ladies yes. and gentlemen, Angelo How long? Lamenti. About 40 years. Have you been in prison too? It was clear what the journalist was driving at. Yes. What prison? Many, sir. Welcome to the Weekly Review. I have two guests here who have joined me. Please introduce yourselves. My name is Lenora Lee. And my name is Ian Huynh. Thanks for being here. And there's an upcoming dance performance that we're going to talk about today. So you joined us uh, a few months ago. It's hard to keep track of the time these days. Um, and the last performance we saw was just really impactful. It was over on Angel Island. And I just, ugh, I can't say how touching it was it was just really incredible so what were your thoughts about that as an experience <sighs> for an audience member um and first we should also the full name of the performance was within these walls and we created a sequel named yes. dreams of flight yes it yes. was a, an immersive multimedia dance performance that was staged at the angel island immigration station on angel island state park yeah, um, it was my first time being to Angel Island, so just being in that in that space in nature that's so close to us felt pretty, um, it just felt like a lot to be there in that space, and then also to be in the particular environment where folks had lived. I think I could really feel the energy of what had taken place there, mm -hmm. and so it brought, it's difficult to put into words. It felt like I just felt like all these emotions being in this space and then seeing, hearing these stories, hearing the people's words shared and interacting with the dancers and having, sharing, it just felt there are so many different, it's difficult, yeah, it's difficult to put into words. It just felt like it was touching on so many senses because it wasn't just visual, it wasn't just audio. It was more, it was interactive as well, and then also spiritual, I think, to be in the same place that people were before, and to not be there at the same time as them, and still to witness them, in a way. Mm -hmm. That particular immigration station was opened between 1910 and 1940. Uh, it burned down, the administration building burned down in 1940, so they moved it to the mainland. But during that time, there were approximately a million immigrants processed at that station, which most people, I think, maybe even from the Bay Area, don't know about. Mm -hmm. And so of those million immigrants, about 170,000 were Chinese. And because there was a Chinese Exclusion Act in place, um, many of the Chinese were held under scrutiny and held there for much m longer periods of time. And they were uh, interrogated and basically imprisoned until they can prove their innocence. 
and maybe Ian was in the piece for uh, both renditions, both mm-hmm. in 2017 and in 2019. Mm-hmm. And I think he can talk a little bit about um, maybe the the differences between both of those performances, even though we restaged it for this past May, uh, we added a sequel, but there were differences in the actual um, approach to the audience members and the way that we came kind of charged and activated the second time, um, empowered with a lot of information from the first round, but also realizing that you know we had this ability to contribute to this dialogue and uh, what in terms of what's happening in the current current time? Yeah, the the first time we performed it, yeah, we had no idea of of its reach and its profound um, impact in that moment. So the second time coming around this year performing it, we knew what was at stake and we we tried our best to dive deeper into um, the, those the stories that we were sharing. Mm-hmm. And um, Lenora gave me the opportunity to also meet with um, the mother of the person who, uh, whose character mm. I was based off of. So we had a, a lunch date together oh. and she shared with us a bit more of, of what happened to him after. And so with all that information in mind and what it felt to have lunch with her, then to go on to performing the piece the second time around, it was was new it was new and it felt um deeper and i think this time we ended on a much more hopeful tone Mm -hmm. um um a sense of spaciousness and and um allowance um um and hope yeah yeah, Hien played the character of Wang Gongju, and uh, his daughter, Penelope Wang, mm. was able to, during that luncheon, share quite a bit about her father, um, who he was as a person, his character, his accomplishments. Um, she gave some hints as to what his um, detention time could have been like and how he was a bit of a dreamer, and he was always looking for... Um, that sense of hope and accomplishment and um, working really hard and achieving. So it was exciting to then build the sequel with this knowledge mm-hmm. and then to have certain sequences feature family, old family photos of him and um, the rest of their kin and uh, for he and to be able to embody the, the essence of him more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was quite exciting and... Um, just a note on that, this year we received two awards. Oh, so Hien received, you want to just talk about your award? Yeah. <laughs> well, the piece itself from 2017 won um, an Outstanding Production Award from the Isadora Duncan Dance Awards Committee. Mm-hmm. And this was the first, we were the first recipients of it. It's a brand new category. And what it represents is a high level of achievement in all of the categories, whether that's Choreography, performance, um, visual design, um, text and music. So they felt it was at a high level for all the categories, and we're very honored to have received that one. And he and won a special award as well for his performance. Yeah, it was, it was very special to be with um, the whole cast and production there and to feel you know, the, the work being shared and, and recognized on that level. And to, to see that, you know, when we can go out and 
and um, share such important stories and, and, and feel the community receive it that way. And, yeah. and then to be honored right back, it was definitely um, a very beautiful evening. And um, my, my mother was in town uh, mm-hmm. that week. And, you know, at that time, I had no idea. I, re- I received the nomination, but I had no idea what the results were. So she came to the ceremony, too. And then when they announced the name, uh, I was able to bring her up on stage. And I, it made my life <laughs> to see how happy she was and how, how proud she was. Oh, that's beautiful. Congratulations. You oh, both. yeah. Thank you. Uh, was, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was a really touching performance. And so you're also here to uh, speak about the new performance that you have coming up the first weekend of November. Yes, next weekend, November 1st through 3rd, we're performing a brand new piece entitled In the Skin of Her Hands at Dance Mission Theater, which is just a few blocks away from here. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be utilizing the different rooms in Dance Mission. They have a theater as well as two studios. So in the first half of the program, the audience members will get a chance to travel through the different rooms oh, wow. and to take a look at um, the vignettes and scenarios that we've been setting up. Mm-hmm. So for this piece, it's inspired by the experiences of those dealing with cancer, battling cancer, mm-hmm. specifically breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the last two months, I had the opportunity to interview 31 people. Wow. Um, some of them are cancer survivors and some are family members. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, an oncologist and two physical therapists. And um, it's been an incredible process. I would have to say that I've learned so much, you know, from people, what people are willing to share Mm -hmm. about what they've gone through. And everyone has had very different experiences. Um, Some people have had, you know, very harsh physical dealings and, um, chemotherapy and radiation and others have had a lighter load in dealing with the illness. But regardless, there was just, um, so much richness to what they were sharing, um, that we're including a lot of the voiceover bits of their stories within the piece. So you'll hear in the sound score, probably almost everybody, (laughs) pretty much almost everybody in there sharing things. Um, I could talk a little bit about, you know, some commonalities, but also differences between them. And I'd actually, maybe while he and talks a little bit, I can open up some audio sure. from the interviews and, and prepare that for you. Yeah. So maybe he and can talk a little bit about the genesis of the project and um, yeah. how we created the work so yeah. far. Yeah. I'm curious as to what inspired it. Yeah. So, um, um, Lenora uh, opened up and shared with us that her, her sister Karina was diagnosed with breast cancer. And so this, that sort of set the tone of how you know, important and, and how uh, close this work was going to be. And so at that, in that realm too, we um, had an opportunity to um, take a workshop with um, aerial dance company Bandaloop. Mm-hmm. And so we, we trained with them for um, for the beginning of the year, and some of us trained during the summer. So we, we learned how to, to essentially fly. <laughs> and, um, yeah, just seeing 
how much Lenora took on because she's, you know, they're interviewing over 30 people and hearing yeah. all these different stories and perspectives. And we couldn't, I couldn't even imagine how heavy that could be. You yes, know, I'm just yes. here in, in the dance studio, just hearing the, the stories and narratives play, but I can't even imagine, you know, actually meeting each and every one and, and, you know, being with their stories. So in this sense, this project feels huge and, and how there's just, um, so many affected and so yeah. many family members is it just everyone is is together on this yes yeah and and i very very much look forward to opening day or the whole weekend as well because i could just imagine you know that those that are being interviewed are showing up their family their loved ones so it's just to me it's like a, a gathering a gathering and and just showing up to support and, and fight for this cause. Yeah, it is a it is something that I think affects every like I, I can't I don't think I know someone who doesn't hasn't who doesn't know someone who has been affected by breast cancer. It feels like it's such a unfortunately ubiquitous disease that it's yeah, it's affected so many people. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, so uh, what you're about to hear uh, is an excerpt of something that we did. We performed an excerpt at the Jurassic Resident Artist Program in Woodside, California last weekend. And mm-hmm. so the excerpt that you will hear right now is from a woman named Valerie So. She's a professor and a filmmaker at San Francisco State University. And um, her thoughts on her experiences with breast cancer. funny thing about me is that I do a lot of social media and so I posted it on social media pretty much as soon as I started treatment and I would and then after a while I started posting a lot on social media like I would post like when I was getting my chemo or like you know my various hair or hats or wigs or whatever and I think people enjoyed sort of following that journey for whatever reason um, so for me it was always very transparent uh, I have another friend who's got it's some form of leukemia, and she's gone through treatment twice. Like, she's done that thing where they take out, like, do something with her bone marrow, and then she has to be in isolation for a month. Like, really intense. And she said she thinks it's really important for people to know when you have cancer because she thinks it's a public health crisis, right? She thinks it's not just, like, people don't just happen to be getting this. There's, like, environmental reasons why people are getting this all the time. And so for her, it was almost like a, this thing. It's like she wants people to know that something can, needs to be done. Right. Some people worry about job security, too, like if they're going to be discriminated against because they're sick. And again, you know, I'm really lucky because I am in a position where I have job security and I'm protected. So, but I could see that. I mean, they can't legally fire you, but they could certainly do find other ways to let you go. So that was really helpful for me just to not worry so much about why it happened because then what happens is you stop thinking it's something that I did, right? It's something I'm, I have to blame myself for some flaw in my life. And then for me, it was just like getting through it at that point and just always thinking, focusing on getting through whatever treatment I was doing.
Yeah, so that was um, an excerpt from Valerie So's interview. And what you'll hear right now are um, two sections. One is um, from a woman who uh, shared about her experience, and then from an oncologist who I interviewed. Her name is uh, Pamela Munster. She works at UCSF. She's a researcher and an oncologist. And she had a lot of insight in terms of sharing about what her patients deal with, and she's written a book as well. So we can go ahead and listen to that. Where there are things coming up all the time, new information, nothing is 100% right. I think that caretakers try their best, but the knowledge platform is always changing, which is a good thing. I think we are learning more all the time. My name is Pamela Munster. I'm a Swiss native. I came to the US when I was 28. I, my professional life is really focused on developing new treatments for people with advanced cancer. My focus is actually breast cancer. And then I have a particular interest in, in younger women and fertility and and hereditary cancer. So it was quite surprising that I was then diagnosed with breast cancer at 48, and I was sort of like not feeling um, that I met any criteria of, uh, you know, we don't have a large cancer family. My father's a single child. So I found out that I have a, a BRCA2 mutation. So all of a sudden I found myself with uh, a disease where I'm really an expert in. Uh, it was an interesting position to be in, you know, on one hand, I knew so much about this disease. Um, and on the other hand, as a, as a patient, you realize how little you, one actually knows. So I wrote a book, Twisting Fate, about uh, the perspective as a physician and patient. And, uh, and a lot of uh, what I'm going through is like really through the initial stages of, of what the patient experience, what the medical science behind is. But then also how this phenomenon of the cancer blues uh, how how significant the the heart depression part um, is not just depression. It's this incredible uncertainty. Depression is just one part, but there's a, there's another really strong feeling that's really hard to place or explain to someone unless you have been there, and that's this uncertainty that comes with the loss of your immortality. And that sort of like black vertex that people fall into. I think everyone has to find their own ways of self-calming or, or accepting. For some people, it's faith. For some people, it's friendship. And for other people, it's exercise. And hopefully, for many, it's all of them. And, and I think a lot of it is time. The, the way to acceptance is it's, uh, not, uh, not easy. And you know, I grew up in, in, in Switzerland. Um, there's a lot more pressure on people in the U.S. to be happy, and that is particularly prevalent in California. California is my absolute favorite place to live, but it's also um, a challenging environment to live in. There's the sense here the sky is the limit, but that also gives you that need to constantly reach for the sky when you could allow yourself a day of non-reaching. 
you know, there's uh, there's clearly there's uh, there's factors that are well known and they are clear and there's nothing much you can do about it. And one of them is like having a hereditary cancer mutation like BRCA1 and 2 at a highest risk for, for breast cancer. Like if you have BRCA1 or 2 mutation, you have a 70% risk of having cancer, breast cancer over life. And then there's other mutations that have a lower risk in the 20 to 40% is like ATM check to uh, and many other mutations. And then, of course, there are environmental factors. Obesity. Alcohol has been associated with an increased risk of breast cancer, and frankly, excessive alcohol is bad for everybody, right? Because there's, there's a lot of heart disease associated with obesity. It's like, there's not a liver doesn't like a lot of alcohol either. And then other risk factors are um, excessive estrogen and progesterone exposure has been associated, but is a, is a magnitude lower than, than hereditary mutations lack of exercise or sedentary lifestyle is clearly associated with an increased risk for breast cancer. And exercise is valuable on so many levels that I, I would encourage every woman to exercise regularly. It just does a lot of good things for, all, for overall health, overall emotional well-being. Nice to go out with friends, walk through a forest, and just sit in a cafe and smoke. So, um, and other risk factors are, we don't know yet, maybe lack of sleep. Sleep has uh, become a much more well-known uh, of a risk uh, and negative health factor if you don't sleep enough. How this pertains to breast cancer is unclear. Some Scandinavian countries have now made breast cancer and shift worker uh, a uh, work-related illness. So, and there's clearly emerging data think like on a medical front, we have a lot of good resources, a lot of good treatment, there's a lot of advances, and we make a lot of progress when it comes to breast cancer. When it comes to equipping people with the way to handle it, we do very poorly. And you know, mental health support in the US is abysmal at best. Right? It's like there's virtually no support, you know, like, uh, and uh, what I see a lot is um, when you have a mastectomy, the, the surgical impact is quite significant. You've got to get the awareness out there of the lymphatic yes. system and how important it is. It's a second circulatory system that is so key. And doing a whole body approach into making the body work as a whole unit is, is really so important. These treatments between chemo and radiation you're killing a lot of cells, and it all has to go through your whole lymphatic system. And the lymphatic system is what keeps us alive. It just can't process and clean everything out fast enough. So with my radiation, that was when I started having issues of swelling and trapping a lot of fluids that doesn't get out unless you work on manually trying to get it moving out of the area. You got to get the scar tissue broken down. You got to get the fluid moving. It's with the radiation, now you get scarring. You got the swelling, and then, of course, you get the blistering. Swelling is a function of the ribs not moving. If you get the ribs moving, you're going to use the whole body pump to start getting the whole vascular system moving because the lymphatic system runs with the vascular system. Well, you know, this is the funny thing about me is that I do a lot of social media. 
And so I posted it on social media pretty much as soon as I started treatment. And then, I would, and then after a while, I started posting a lot on social media. Like I would post like when I was getting my chemo or like, you know, my various hair or hats or wigs or whatever. And I think people enjoyed sort of following that journey for whatever reason. Um, so for me, it was always very transparent. Uh, I have another friend who's got... It's some form of leukemia, and she's gone through treatment twice. Like, she's done that thing where they take out, like, do something with her bone marrow, and then she has to be in isolation for a month. Like, really intense. And she said she thinks it's really important for people to know when you have cancer because she thinks it's a public health crisis, right? She thinks it's not just, like, people don't just happen to be getting this. There's, like, environmental reasons why people are getting this all the time. And so for her, it was almost like... So what you will hear in a second is a clip that uh, I recorded we with my sister, about the Karina. This, you know, and I think that it does describe uh, the initial onset of metastatic cancer because you're in this overwhelming dark place where you didn't even know that something has just taken over your entire body. You know, it's everywhere. It's in every bone in your body, in your organs. And you didn't even know that it was in there growing. And all of a sudden, you have this impending possibility let, of death. Let, let and go. you have let to go. pull your go. shit together go. and you swim. Gotta let. And Swim let, up towards the light and keep treading water and you gotta let go. Find go, your way go. out of the abyss. Holding it together mentally, physically, and overnight process. Treading water and your body is fighting those cancer cells and and building a defense uh, in your own body and so uh, that word it makes a lot of sense for for the first uh, I think year that sort of sums up the the struggle uh, of being thrown in the deep end and then having to either sink or swim so of course chose to swim uh, but you know and to come out ahead and floating and sort of relaxing now relaxing and floating <laughs> yeah what do you feel 
feel has influenced you along the way? What's been motivating? And you're listening to the weekly review on Mutiny Radio. But then I immediately thought on my grandma, she worked two jobs for as long as I can remember. That example of being such a hard worker and coming from Colombia with barely anything. I mean, she has more than any of us financially and like assets and everything. Um, she has more than all of us put together, you know, and that's, that, that's very impressive, you know, I, I, and, and she worked for every single bit of it, you know, she's smart, you know, she's a very good businesswoman um, and she came knowing just Spanish. She is she is feisty, she's a warrior, she's a go-getter, she... I think if death can come knocking at her door, she will say, I'm busy, come back later. Like my little granddaughter says, she's strong, intelligent, fuerte, valiente, inteligente, and uh, courageous. If there's anything I want to do, then I should go do it. Don't wait. I was at a low point, but now, after a year or two, now I'm relaxed, happy. Although I am doing less work, the money is not the most important. The most important is if the person is living happily. I mean, literally, like, life is too short to put up with, with idiocies. Um, and I'm sure that that urgency comes from being sick. You know, you kind of realize that you could die any day. But at the same time, you know, I think I really appreciate life a lot more, too. And maybe that's, that was something that uh, we needed to go through to appreciate, to appreciate who she is and give her the best that we can. Maybe things happen for a reason, not always, but I like to think that maybe this illness is giving us an opportunity for exploring another type of love with her. And welcome back. Thank you so much for playing these clips. There's a, there's a lot there. Yeah, something I was um, curious about was what was the process like in terms of you got to let go. Go. Got to go. 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 You got to go. 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 Got to. Got to. To. To let go. 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 To let. Gotta let. Go. To let. Go. To let. You got to. Gotta let go. To let. Go. Go. To let. Go. To go. To let. Go. Go. Let go. Go, 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 let, to let, go, to let, go, to let go. You gotta let, let, go, let. Don't be afraid. The corporal said, "There's nothing to be afraid of. Nothing worth it." For a moment, the old general didn't seem to have heard the corporal at all, standing ahead below the other's high mountain one beneath the seemingly insuperable weight of the blue and scarlet hat cross-barred and dappled with gold braids and heavy golden leaves. Then he said, afraid? No, no, it's not I but you who are afraid of man. Not I but you who believe that nothing but a death can save him. I know better. I know that he has that in him which would enable him to outlast even his wars. 
that in him more durable than all his vices, even that last and most fearsome one, to outlast even his next avatar of his servitude which he now faces, his enslavement to the demonic progeny of his own mechanical curiosity, from which he will emancipate himself by that one ancient tried and true method by which slaves have always freed themselves, by inculcating their masters with the slaves' own vices, in this case the vice of war, and that other one what the corporal said, they will do more, the old general said proudly. They will prevail. Even when he tried to tell it, even after the seven weeks, that he's safe, secure, riveted, warranted, and doubly guaranteed by the ten years they had added to his sentence for attempted escape, something of the old hysteric and prejudice outrage came back into his face, his voice, his speech. He never did even get on the other boat. He told how he clung to a strake. It was a dirty, unpainted shanty boat with a drunken rake of ten stovepipe. It had been moving when he struck it, and apparently it had not even changed course, even though the three people on it must have been watching him all the while. A second man, barefoot and with matted hair and beard, also at the steering sweep, and then, he did not know how long, a woman leaning in the door in a filthy assortment of men's garments, watching him too with the same cold speculation, being dragged violently along, trying to state and explain his simple, and to him at least, reasonable desire and need. Telling it, trying to tell it, he could feel again the old, unforgettable affronting, like an egg fit as he watched the abortive tobacco rain steadily and faintly from between his shaking hands, and then the paper itself part with a thin, dry, snapping report. Burn my clothes, the convict cried. Burn them. How in hell do you expect to escape in them billboards, the man with the shotgun said. He, the convict, tried to tell it, tried to explain as he had tried to explain not to the three people on the boat alone, but to the entire circumambience, desolate water and forlorn trees and sky, not for justification because he needed none. And he knew that his hearers, the other convicts, required none of him, but rather as, on the part of exhaustion, he might have picked dreamily and incredulously out of suffocation. He told the man with the gun how he and his partner had been given the boat and told to pick up a man and a woman, how he had lost his partner and failed to find the man. And now all in the world he wanted was something flat to leave the woman uh -huh. on until he could find her. We, we are not, not what, what we, we seem, seem to be. We are, we are, are we are, we are. What we are. What we are, what we are, not to be what we are, we are, not what we are, not, we are not what, are we not what we seem to be, are we not what we are, or are we what we, are not we what we are, we are, we are what? We are not, we are, we are what we are not. We are not what we seem we are, we are not. We are not what we seem to be, we are, we are, we are, we are. To be not what we are, what we are, what we are. Not, not to be what, what we, we are, are, we are not, not what we are, are not. not. We are, we are not, not what, not, not what, what, not, not what, what, we are, are not what, what we are, not. We are not. We are. 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 We
Stock exchange. How wildly this week. Oh, God, yes. Both up and down. How important a thing. But with all eyes. But you need. On the energy prices. To hear. The market suffers. But you must hear. It's third consecutive week. Of decline. Are you in In the heaviest trading. Year before. Last year. Or the year before. Or was it? And the sun. The year before. Has turned to blood. Or the year before. There was a sea. And the sun. Over there. Has turned to blood. I remember it. There was a sea. The colors blue, green. Over there. Emerald, sparkling orange. I remember it. From the moon. The colors blue, green. My body became. Emerald. Wet in that sea. Sparkling orange from the sun.
Deliciously cold. <laughs> in the town, I can hear noisy. you, in the but in I the cannot see. In the prison, all our pits. I saw you, I can hear you, clearly in the fire, last all is year. but I cannot see you, see. Or was it the year before? That which is, is that which is. That which is, that. is that. And that, which is that. Which isn't, isn't. And, that which wasn't. That which isn't. Unless, isn't. That which isn't. That which wasn't. Wasn't ever. Unless, was. That, for that which isn't. Which isn't. That, wasn't ever was. But was. For that, that is that. Which isn't that. Which was. Was that. And that which, is that. Wasn't that. Which was. But is that. Has the country gone? But within our love, now fading, I gave you the heart. Red snow was sore in sorrow and windy. Where is spring? Let it fall. Spring is falling. Laughter looked into the moment. Where is youth? Cruel mocking. Dust upon youth at the wild jest. The tulip is in sadness. The sore heart was youth. Sorrow has numbered flowers. Let it in. Dear computer number eight. This is computer number eight talking. Life lives eternal. I have been programmed within the human breast to report to you. No, I have not. That the company you, has not yet received. Nor do I intend the latest payment. Forgetting you. Necessary to keep. I will never forget your you. life insurance policy in force. But please. I can't. Please, dear computer number eight. Believe. Tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? 
We'll gather around me sea dogs and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> International banking, diplomatic cables, nuclear missile launch codes all rely on unbreakable encryption. What if these codes were no longer secure? That nightmare scenario seems to be a reality. A shadowy underworld syndicate is auctioning off access to the world's encrypted secrets. The only plausible explanation for this ability? Someone has achieved the holy grail of code-breaking quantum computing. Veteran CIA agent John Clooney must track down the perpetrators and retrieve this technology for the U.S. government. And it's personal, as the Enigma brokers have already cost the lives of his fellow agents, perhaps including his partner. John Wessex, The Enigma Brokers, is the first book of the John Clooney thrillers. Get it on Amazon. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Well, shoot. From time to time, I've given it a thought of two. You know, if you go to Joke Workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this damn habit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! $4.99. I was just leaving the theater. Convertible. 1969 gold Cadillac with the white material and I drove it up here. And I started to do some thinking. Around in and on the freeway, and I'm having a really, really good time. Flat black plastic. Smoking big spliffs and cruising that Cadillac. Saturday, 92. On the freeway. Good thing. Oh, I'm going to go. Oh, Jesus. Let go. Let go. Let go. You gotta let go. I have a report here, Henry, from your, uh, from your chief nurse, Major O'Houlihan. She makes some accusations, Henry. I, I find pretty hard to believe. Uh, the dude minds, man. Has John Clooney's friend and ally become a dangerous enemy? 
Private investigator Anton Gruber has been CIA agent John Clooney's trusted aide. Clooney may have questioned Gruber's taste in cuisine, but never his loyalty, until Gruber double-crossed him. Escaping with his life, Clooney is sidelined while his superior attempts to discover how Gruber was compromised. The investigation delves into Gruber's astonishing past, from his unpleasant days as an East German border guard to life as a narcotics agent, from his time in the tango clubs of Buenos Aires to a trip up the Amazon in search of Nazi gold. John Wessex's The Prague Deception is the third book of the John Clooney thrillers. Get it on Amazon. Hey, Mutineers Stolowitz here. Have you ever listened to Labor and Love on Saturday mornings, 10 to noon, with Bill Morgan? It's a really excellent show, one of my favorites here at the station. And it's all about service. It might be the devil, it might be the Lord, but we got to serve somebody. And Bill understands the virtue of service as the heart and soul of the labor movement better than a lot of people I know. And it's one of the reasons I love to listen to him. He breaks down socialism, democracy, protest history, workers' news, and the power of unions. Along with that, he serves up an excellent mix of jazz, Latin, gospel, hip-hop, and traditional folk ballads. Great stuff. Check it out. Labor and Love is every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Serve somebody. Meals on Wheels is dedicated to fostering independent living for San Francisco seniors by providing hot, nutritious meals delivered to their homes. They're committed to fostering independent living for as long as possible. For more information, please call Meals on Wheels at 415-920-1111. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. Are you looking for local handcrafted leather goods? Look no further than Skin on Skins, a local mission a leather working shop. All original pieces handcrafted for you. Jackets, belts, purses, jewelry, everything made out of leather. You need your bicycle seat fixed? You want it in cool leather? Under can do it. You have a motorcycle that you want to fit out with side bags and cool stuff talk to under go to skinonskins.com that's s k i n o n s k i n s.com you just went to Folsom Street Fair and you don't have enough leather go see under everything is handcrafted and understated quality fine leather handcrafted goods for all of your needs he also does fixes maybe you love that jacket he'll put the zipper back in Talk to Under at SkinOnSkins.com at 20th and Mission. Check them out at SkinOnSkins.com. Volunteer for the San Francisco Food Bank. The San Francisco Food Bank relies on volunteers like you to help sort, package, and distribute healthy food to people in need in San Francisco. Each year, over 22,000 people contribute thousands of hours to fighting hunger in our community. This support will enable the SF Food Bank to distribute 43.5 million pounds of food this year, 
enough for 93.000 meals every day. But they can't do it without volunteers. Visit www.sffoodbank.org slash volunteer. Again, www.sffoodbank.org slash volunteer to find out how you can help. are already dead. A shadowy group of killers for hire is eliminating world leaders, crime lords, and CIA agents. Inexplicably, the deceased contract killers have the DNA of people who are long dead. CIA agent John Clooney devises a dangerous plan to capture a shadow killer alive, contract a hit on himself. John Wessex, The Shadow Killers, is the second book of the John Clooney thrillers. Get it on Amazon. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube. Are you tired? Spoof, I suppose. I, the, I, the, I, I, Necessary that we do. It is what we must. Necessary do that we do to do less. What we must is to fail. Do to fail to do less. 
is to suffer, is to fail, and in this, to fail, so short, so fragile, is to suffer, existence, and in this, we must do, so short, what we must, so fools us, and I return, in quiet peace, to the comfort, our bodies, of your love, fitting into woven dreams, Enlightened, tears, my fingers, winter moon, mingled with raindrops, his stillness, madness, and moonlight, contemplate everything, time for...
she's a lowest girl that I've ever seen. Make you stay out all night long Love will make you drink and gamble Make you stay out all night long Turned off and gone. 
would like to know, he said. About what, she said. I'm not certain, he replied. Then how can I respond, she asked. I don't know, he said. Well, she said. But I feel a question, he said. And what does it feel like, she asked. Something waiting for an answer, he said. How can I answer, she asked. Just listen and reply, he said. To what and to what, she asked. To my question and to it, he said. I'm listening, she said. To what, he asked. To your question, she replied. Did I ask it, he asked. You asked if you asked it, she replied. If I'd asked what, he asked. The question, she replied. What question, he asked. The question about the question you hadn't asked, she replied. I asked about that question? he asked. It was the only one I heard, she replied. And what did you reply, he asked. I don't know, she replied. Why, he asked. Because I forgot it, she My replied. girl don't love me Treat me all oh so Yes, yes, yes. It's a yes. great line. 
line. Yeah. There's no yeah. other word for yeah. it. It's a great line. Over oh, ridiculous goodness sakes. I don't understand the whole thing. I, mean, I think I'm in the wrong place. I, mean, I just don't figure what the hell is happening here. I, I've been I'm here. I'm not sure I do. You know. Well. Wow, man. Get me out, you! Stop! Get Tickets ready, please. I just don't And my teeth itch. They just, doctor, I don't Thimble. 
Hey, give me some jive, man. I mean, let's get it moving. Let's get it doing. All the jive that I ever learned was in my mouth, in my head, in my teeth, in my eyes.
put him on the wagon. Lord, 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 oh, we put him on the wagon. Lord, 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 oh, well, your wife and my wife. Lord, 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 oh, yes, your wife and my wife. Lord, 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 had a feather picking. Lord, 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 oh, well, we had a feather picking. My girl don't love me Treat me all so mean Baby doesn't love me
gotta let go. You gotta let go. Let me go. Let me go. 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 Gotta let go. 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 Let go. To go. Go. Let go. To go. 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 You gotta let go. Go. You gotta let go. Go. Let go. You gotta let go. To let go.